Will you join me in prayer? God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts that are gathered here be pleasing to you, for you are our rock, you are our redeemer. Amen. Okay, I need everyone to indulge me for a minute. We're going to go on a journey in our minds together. Imagine you were on the hit, long-running TV show, Survivor. You are out on an island with a group of people who started out as strangers. It is a few weeks into the game, and you arrive at one of the game's infamous challenges. Jeff Probst, yes, the man himself, Jeff Probst, tells you that for this challenge, one person of your tribe will be up on a platform while the rest of your tribe is blindfolded on the ground. Your platform teammate will be directing you all across a field of obstacles where you must retrieve items to bring back to the platform. All three tribes will be competing at the same time. That means there will be a mass of blindfolded people trying to complete this task while three different people on platforms are hollering different directions to everyone. In the midst of chaos, how do you listen for your teammate's voice? Today is Confirmation Sunday. We have 43 youth in our congregation who will be confirmed this week and in a few weeks. These youth have put in a lot of hard work into learning a few different things. They've learned about the history of the church. That's with a capital C, meaning Christianity in general. They've also learned about the history of the United Methodist Church. They've talked about the sacraments. They've considered different forms of worship and prayer. They've learned about the Bible, and they've each made the decision themselves to be confirmed. It's a really, really big deal. It's a sign that they are choosing the faith for themselves. Many of our confirmands were baptized as infants. Their parents and family and congregation committed to raising them up in the church and supporting them as they grew. And now, this is their moment to take some initiative themselves. It's their chance to say, yes, this is what I believe. This is what I want to be a part of. It's no longer their parents' or their family's faith that they're leaning on. Instead, they've worked to begin forming their own language and their own understanding of what it means to follow Jesus for themselves. When I went through confirmation myself as a sixth grader, I remember feeling a little bit overwhelmed. I wasn't sure I had figured out everything about Jesus and everything about my faith. Luckily, I was surrounded by adults in my home church, much like the adults that surround both of you, who reminded me over and over again that knowing all of the answers or having the words for everything I believed was not what confirmation was actually about. It's not really what following Jesus is all about. Instead, it's the beginning of a journey. 
it marks a point in each of our journeys. Not, maybe not the very beginning if you were raised in the church, but for me, confirmation marked the point in my journey where I began to ask questions myself, when I started to dig around to look for my own structure and my own language. And I'm here today, however many years later, to say I sure am glad that I was not told as a middle schooler that I had to have all of my faith figured out. Because spoiler alert, I still don't have it all figured out. I am still on that journey with Christ. I'm still forming my own understandings and even reinterpreting some things I once knew. Following Jesus is a lifelong journey. And along that journey, along each of our journeys, we will have a number of different voices that guide our faith, that demonstrate what it looks like to love Jesus. And we'll have a number of different voices that may draw our attention to how we don't want to live out our faith. With every voice, there's something to learn. Our scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of John. The book of John is a much different book than the other three Gospels. John has a lot of stories that are not included in the others, and he uses imagery that is very unique to his writing. We're going to be in John chapter 10. Let's look at verses 1 through 6 first. Hear these words. Jesus says, I assure you that whoever doesn't enter into the sheep pen through the gate but climbs over the wall is a thief and an outlaw. The one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The guard at the gate opens the gate for him, and the sheep listens to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Whenever he has gathered all of his sheep, he goes before them and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger, but will run away because they don't know the stranger's voice. Those who heard Jesus use this analogy didn't understand what he was saying. <laughs> Isn't that so great? Jesus uses this metaphor for the people that he's teaching to, some of which are even his disciples, and they don't get it. It's classic. It's us, right? How many times do we read scripture and walk away confused or with questions? Okay, let's keep reading to see how Jesus clears up the confusion. So, Jesus spoke again. I assure you that I am the gate of the sheep. All who come before me were thieves and outlaws, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief enters only to steal, kill, and destroy I came so that they could have life, indeed, so they could, they could live life to the fullest. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let the church say, thanks be to God. The people don't understand what Jesus is saying at the beginning. And instead of just all of a sudden speaking it in plain terms, Jesus keeps going with the metaphor. Jesus keeps talking about the gate and the sheep. He's just a little more obvious about who he is in the metaphor. Jesus says, it's me. I am the gate. Jesus is the one who will lead the people, who will protect them, who will care for them. Jesus is the gate. Jesus is the shepherd. Jesus is the familiar voice that the sheep follow. 
This passage of Jesus being the good shepherd is actually sandwiched between two healing stories. The healing of blind Bartimaeus in chapter 9 and the healing of Lazarus in chapter 10. In both instances, Jesus proves that he's the good shepherd. He proves his love for them. He protects them. He cares for them. Jesus calls out for their healing for their betterment. Jesus' voice is familiar to them, and they're changed because of it. What does it mean for Jesus to be a familiar voice to each of us? Have you ever watched an animated show or a movie, and you've recognized the voice of a character, but you just couldn't place quite exactly who it was? This happens to me a whole lot. I have a two and a half year old. We watch a lot of cartoons. And honestly, when I hear a voice that I recognize and I can't place who it is, I become so consumed with the familiarity of the voice that I have a hard time paying attention to what's actually happening in the storyline because I just want to figure out who it is. When a voice is familiar to us, it can change our focus. It can redirect what we're thinking, what we're focusing on. Or maybe you can relate to this. When I have hard things going on in my life or when I'm sick or someone in my house is sick, often I will call my mom to tell her all about it. And almost every single time after I've gotten it all off of my chest to my mom, her automatic response to me is, oh, Stephanie, and that's all it takes. I start crying. <laughs> She just has to say, oh, Stephanie, and I completely let down my guard. It's not some magic words that do it. It's just something about hearing my mom's voice and hearing her compassion for me that brings all my walls down. A familiar voice has the capacity to offer love in a way that unfamiliar voices can't. We could talk all day about sheep and shepherds and gates and gatekeepers. We could get really in the weeds about Jesus' metaphor. But on this Confirmation Sunday, the truth of the passage remains. Jesus is our familiar voice. When things get difficult, when we ask ourselves tough questions, when we come face to face with life-altering situations, Jesus is with us. Jesus doesn't leave us to figure out things on our own. Jesus doesn't abandon us in our questions and in our pushing back. It's up to us to tune in, to listen, and to recognize the voice of God. All right, got to keep everyone on their toes. Let's jump back into our imaginary survivor situation. We are blindfolded, remember, and our tribe mate is up on the platform screaming out directions that we are expected to follow. There are two other people also screaming out directions, and there's a number of obstacles lying ahead of us. There are even other people on the course who can throw us off, who can throw us off our groove. But in order to win the challenge, we must find a way to focus on that single voice. We must focus so hard on the task at hand that everything else falls away. We must tune in to the familiar voice in order to win the challenge for our team. 
what would it look like for us to do this in our faith journeys too? What does it mean to be confident in the voice of God, especially when for some of us, we may feel like we've never even audibly heard the voice of God? What are ways we can practically tune into God's voice and, when necessary, tune out the other voices? We begin doing so by taking time to notice God out in the world. When we step back from the busyness of our own lives and acknowledge the ways God is working around us. When we do this, we begin to open a wider door into seeing God out in the world. It's like when you're buying a new car and you're considering a specific make or model and then every time you're out on the road, you see that make and model everywhere you look. Is that just me? No, okay, some people are shaking their heads. You know what I'm talking about. When we begin to look for signs of God, when we start looking around and noticing God out in the world, we begin to notice them more frequently. We see God over and over in places we never expected because we've focused in on it. We've thought about, huh, that's how God's working around us. And when we begin to recognize God in the world, it becomes easier to tune out the things that distract us from who God's calling us to be. The drama, the negativity, the pain, they all seem a little more bearable when we begin to realize that God is by our side and we are not alone. This is what it means for God to be a familiar voice in our lives. It means we are better able to focus on how loved and cared we are by our creator. It means we become more comfortable in the hard moments and in the unknown because we're not alone. My prayer for each of us is that God may be a familiar voice in our lives, that we may take notice of the way God works in the world around us, and in doing so, we realize we are not alone on this journey. In just a moment, we are gonna confirm two wonderful youth. And as we do, I hope we all remember how joyful it is to explore our faith, that we remember how beautiful it is to ask questions and to push back and to seek knowledge, that we all remember the mystery of God is not something to fear, it's something to embrace and to celebrate. May Jesus' voice be a voice that is familiar to each of us. Amen.